I'm Ben Forrid. I'm Polly Gill. And I'm Alyssa Mendel. And this is Chordscast. Created by the team at the Coordination of Rare Diseases at Sanford, or CORDS for short, which is a rare disease registry working to tie together patients and researchers, no matter their condition and no matter where they are in the world. In these episodes, you'll hear interviews with scientists, physicians, rare disease patients, and advocates, along with updates on our registry and ways that you can get involved. Let's get started. Another episode of the Chords Cast. Today we have a very unique group joining us. We have the Chloe Barnes Advisory Council on Rare Diseases. They're going to share with us today a little bit more about their connection to the rare disease community, their journeys, and then what the council is about. So to get us started, uh, we have Carl Nelson joining us today. Would you want to introduce yourself to us and just tell us your connection to the rare disease community? Sure. Yep. My name is Carl Nelson, and I uh, grew up in central Minnesota, and I have a form of ectodermal dysplasia. It's a a rare condition that affects the skin, hair, teeth, nails. Uh, A lot of kids uh, with ectodermal dysplasia, they uh, don't sweat, so they have a hard Mm -hmm. time maintaining their body temperature during athletics. And uh, so they... um, work with cooling vests and other techniques to try to keep themselves comfortable during activities. Well, I was diagnosed when I was about five years old. And as you know, in the rare space, it can be a, a long, a long um, process to get bounced around to try to find the right answers and, and get the right treatments. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was, and I lived in a rural part of Minnesota. so. Maybe that was a component, which you know, we hope to maybe address or investigate at least. And uh, when I grew up, um, I then got more involved and got married, and I had um, a daughter who also has ectodermal dysplasia and really motivated, motivated me to get actively involved. And so I became uh, active on the National Foundation for Ectodermal Dysplasias. Um, part of that then became working on some um, advocacy for a bill, which is right now in, um, in the hands of Congress oh, wow. called the Ensuring Lasting Smiles Act. And we have a great coalition of industry and um, patient ad- advocacy groups that are really pushing for change for congenital anomalies and how insurance companies deal with congenital anomaly restorations. Um, and part of that, uh, brought me back into meeting Erica, and uh, Erica really was a big um, driver for uh, this rare disease council, the Chloe Barnes Advisory Council. Uh, so that's sort of my connection. Um, I'm just so privileged to be able to help with this amazing team, and so maybe I'll let Erica kind of talk about her connection. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, Carl, and thank you so much, uh, Cordscast, for inviting us. So my connection to the rare community started um, back in 2010. 
um, my second daughter, Chloe, was born in 2008, um, and uh, no indication that there was anything wrong. She was born full term, uh, no complications in the pregnancy, nothing showed up on any newborn infant screening. She was screened, and she was really given a clean bill of health. Um, and then around the age of 14 months, um, started to just see some really troubling uh, signs and symptoms um, in her development, very subtle. Um, I'm a speech pathologist by, by training, and I was working in uh, rehab in, in hospitals at the time. And um, I started to just have some concerns about her development. So um, I talked to her, uh, her first pediatrician, and um, as is kind of a typical story, um, the first uh, her first pediatrician really didn't um, see any anything that that concerned him too much, and so after a few months of really frantically, frankly, searching on my own, googling, um, using the internet um, to try to piece some of her signs and symptoms together, uh, we took her for a second opinion, and she was diagnosed with a rare neurodegenerative disease called metachromatic leukodystrophy. Um, so we were fortunate enough to get her diagnosed in time to attempt a bone marrow transplant at the Mayo Clinic, and she passed away from complications of the transplant oh, in um, just after her second birthday. Mm-hmm. And um, after she passed away, as you know, so many parents do, we wanted to make a difference and we wanted to um, make some meaningful change, knowing that um, there weren't any at the time um, any um, truly effective treatments and and no cures at that time. So we started advocating and and raising funds and started a small uh, nonprofit. Um, But my journey really into the rare community in general really began when I started um, interacting with other parents. Um, You know, I met them through my fundraising work and my my, um, connections at the University of Minnesota. And I started to really see the same barriers to care that I faced in getting Chloe diagnosed and treated, I saw those barriers to care being replicated time and time again mm-hmm. across diagnosis. And the, the unifying factor seemed to be diseases that were rare. Um, so when I would talk to a family with, with a child who had had a rare disease, I saw these very distinct um, barriers. So I began advocating um, kind of more broadly for the, for the rare disease community in general. And that led to um, working on legislation to form a rare disease advisory council in the state. Uh, And that's how I got to where I am. Wow. I think for both Carl and Erica, I'm always so inspired when I hear people either taking their diagnosis or their child's diagnosis and just, you know, saying, I want to do more. I need to do more. I'm always just amazed at the efforts that people put with all of this. Uh, Chrisanne, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your connection to the rare disease community? Thank you, Alyssa, again, and thank you, Courtscast. It's really an honor to participate in this today. Um, I really want to start by thanking Carl and Erica for all the work that they have done to establish the Chloe Barnes Advisory Council on Rare Diseases um, and really all the advocacy work that they've done for children and adults with rare conditions. Um, I think it's really just so important and just, as you said, so inspiring to see the the ways that people have made a difference based on their own uh, unique experiences. So I'm Chrisanne Schultz. I'm a pediatric oncologist at Children's Minnesota. um, And in that role, I have the privilege of caring for lots of children uh, with rare diseases, especially rare cancers. Um, All pediatric cancers are rare. 
And even within that space, there are some that are even less common than others. Um, so I really enjoy caring for children um, in, the, in the clinic uh, space. And also have the privilege of serving on the Chloe Barnes Advisory Council on Rare Diseases um, and to work together with this group to understand how we can make things better for all individuals with rare diseases in Minnesota, really, and around the world. Wow, that's fantastic. And Christine, how did you get connected to Carl and Erica? Well, in addition to my uh, clinical role, my research is in a specific type of rare cancers called Dicer 1 related cancers. Um, and so through that, I met Erica. Um, I think we met for the first time in person, actually, at Rare Disease Day at the state capitol. Oh, okay. Uh, but it's it's really been uh, wonderful to work with this group uh, and really to understand how the efforts we make um, to advocate for individuals with rare conditions can really affect um, not only their shared journey and all the things that are common in those journeys, um, but healthcare overall and um, many of the issues that everyone faces. Yeah, I think you hit hit it on the head there, Chrisanne, how, you know, a lot of times people think, you know, rare disease that I'm going to be siloed, but really there's a lot of commonality within the rare community where, it, you know, you can come together for a greater common cause. And it sounds, you know, like that's kind of your objective. So can you tell me, can you guys tell me a little bit more about the main objectives of the council? You, you stated it just right that, you know, historically, I think if we look back on rare diseases, even the term orphan disease, historically there was not a collective consciousness around the 7,000 rare diseases. Each of these rare diseases really sort of um, affected communities and, and they, weren't, they weren't well integrated into healthcare. So that's where the term orphan disease came from, right? They didn't have a, med they didn't have a medical home. They didn't have a place in healthcare. So historically, there wasn't a lot of collective consciousness around rare diseases as a community. I have to credit the work of the National um, Organization for Rare Disorders for a lot of the work that they've done to sort of build our community in terms of um, whatever the diagnosis, building the rare disease community. And that's really what we as a council want to do. We really want to come together and figure out how to address the barriers to care in the rare disease community as a population um, and take that lens and, and look at, regardless of the um, etiology of that rare disease, what are these common barriers to care as those communities interact with the healthcare system? Um, so that's really one of our main objectives to sort of figure out those, those shared and unique barriers and try to figure out improvements. That's a fantastic goal. I'm very, I'm, I'm anxious to see how this all turns out. That's awesome. You know, and the other thing too, I was gonna ask is how long has the council been around? Yeah, so the council was, um, the legislation passed last legislative session. So it passed in 2019, which feels like an eternity ago, <laughs> considering all of, all of the disruptions. <laughs> Of, of society and healthcare in general with, with COVID. Um, so, so the council passed and we had our first meeting um, in October of 2019. So, so we're just coming up on our first year. Um, and really in that first year, we've really tried to um, sort of uh, ascribe to the, to the axiom that if you can't measure it, you can't improve it. So we've really spent a year trying to just sort of get a set a baseline in the state of Minnesota 
uh, for what some of the, the needs of the community are. Because I think that, you know, even, even understanding the needs of the community when it comes to rare diseases is a challenge, uh, right? Because there's, there's just um, not a lot of data out there that looks at rare diseases as a, as a population and as a collective whole. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So what could the, the rare disease community do to help you guys, you know, achieve some of these goals and try to just further, just try to find out more information about what you're looking for? What can the rare disease community do to help? I think there's a lot of things. But I mean, one, I think um, our, our work group is working on a patient survey. And so we hope to gather um, a lot of information about patients' experiences during their doctor visits, mm-hmm. uh, what struggles they have. And so we can try to articulate um, and, in a sense, quantify some of the barriers that people are having to get good care, get diagnosis, to get treatments. So we want to uh, gather information so that we can try to develop our next steps. And um, we're really trying to analyze and try to provide solutions. Um, so that's where we're at right now. We've, uh, we're working through a survey process and getting some final approvals, and then we hope to be able to release that very soon. Um, and we're uh, trying to work with other organizations in the area to sort of increase our enrollment mm-hmm. so that we have some sort of quote unquote statistical significance uh, in you know, a large number. So we really have a good measure of what, what, what our the problems out there. So that's one thing. Uh, the other thing I would just encourage for all rare uh, disease is be active uh, and make your voice heard. You know, get out there, find ways to communicate with other groups, find ways to try to improve and get your organizations more mature, um, whether it's working with researchers, natural history studies, registries, um, donations, um, all all those things, you know, that really make these organizations effective so that you can be be heard. And one thing I've I've told Erica this is sometimes I feel, you know, I've done a fair amount of advocacy work, um, both at the state and at the national level in DC for this Ensuring Lasting Smiles bill. And you know, the organizations like this um, um, Chloe Barnes Advisory Council, it's sort of like Horton Hears a Who. You know, we've got little bitty people living on this on this uh, flower or dandelion, and we need someone to help us see, so the rest of the world can hear what we need. So um, I'm really excited about the council. I'm excited, actually, even more excited about our connections that we're building yeah. with all these organizations in the Midwest and across the nation. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, that sounds like all really good stuff. That's that's exciting. Um, and I like how you said to get active out there. There are a lot of resources, you know, Global Genes, Nord, um, even going to Rare Disease Week on Capitol Hill that, you know, people can be involved in that really helps their voices to be heard. Um, that's that's great. Christian, what is something that you would want people to know about the council? I think that um, the biggest thing would be that this newly formed council is working for change, working to help, working to make things better, and that all voices are welcome really in understanding how we can best do that. Um, 
This is a new group, as Erica said, um, newly formed largely through her advocacy and the advocacy of others with, um, whose lives have been uh, affected or changed by rare, rare conditions. Um, and there's much work to be done. Uh, the, the scope and the hopes and the aspirations of this group are, are really big. Um, and we need help and voices in order to operationalize those. And then I'd also really add, um, add and echo what Carl said. There is a role for everyone here. Um, so if you feel called to this, if your life has been touched by a rare disease, of, of course, learn as much as you can about it. Um, advocate for it. Connect with the experts in that field. Um, I'd also add consideration of participation in research. Uh, the way we're going to move this forward um, is through advocacy and research. And so there is a role for everyone in research. Um, I will say in my own field, cancer research, um, cancer research is not just something that is done in a lab um, by scientists with test tubes and pipettes. Uh, cancer research is really something that all of us can participate in, um, whether through that, whether that's considering participation in research itself and learning about whether or not that's right for you, um, or supporting philanthropy that promotes research. Uh, there's really a role for everyone in this. So if you feel called to it, please, please reach out and um, participate in the way that makes sense for you. Yeah, that's that's great. Um, I, I keep hearing from you guys about connections and building connections. And how could somebody reach out to you guys or get a hold of you if they had, you know, ways to work together or questions? Do you guys have a website? Yeah, so we, we do have a website, um, and I can provide that to um, you at Cordscast so that you can um, put that up on, on your site. And um, on that website, we have some general information about the council. It has a list of all the council members. Um, and then my uh, contact information is on there. And we, we absolutely, I will just echo what Chrisanne said. We would love to hear from the community. You know, our, our first pillar of our council in, in our strategic plan is that we'll deepen our understanding of the needs of the community. Um, we know that it's it's a it's a big goal. We know that there's 7,000 rare disease communities, but um, we we want to as much as possible deepen our understanding. And um, it is my favorite thing to talk to patients and patient groups and and understand their community better. So please reach out. You had mentioned there, Erica, that there are over 7,000 rare diseases, and there's many that have been unidentified. What is your approach in addressing those needs? Yeah, so uh, you're absolutely right. So we, when we say rare disease, um, as a council, we've, we've also, we, we understand that there's um, undiagnosed patients that likely um, are on a journey to, to find a rare disease. So so we understand that that this is a broad community, and, and even the label rare disease doesn't quite cover um, all of all of the people that are affected by rare diseases. Um, one of the um, things that we're we're gaining an understanding on and, and working toward is understanding how we can help each rare community, regardless of where they're at, whether whether it's a newly identified gene, where there's an emerging community or whether it's a very established rare disease that there's relatively lots of information known about, how we can sort of help foster the, the organizational growth of these patient groups and provide some direction um, so, that, so that even these small communities um, can, can grow and um, be able to engage with research and be able to um, improve, improve care and advance, advance, accelerate research for those patient communities. 
So we're looking at ways to help foster those organizations and, and help them grow and mature. That's a great um that's a great goal to have and something that is very much needed. I'm going to put you guys all on the spot here with this, but um, I know Carl had mentioned, you know, coming out with surveys here within the next, you know, however year or so, but what else can we expect to see from the council within the next year? What else is in the pipeline for you guys? So um, like we said, you know, the, the first year we really want to spend time doing surveys, getting a baseline, and and really we we want to be careful not to jump to too many solutions and too many initiatives before we really find out what the communities are telling us. Um, one survey that Carl didn't mention is we also have a provider survey that we're going to be sending out. I think sometimes um, we we forget that, that providers also have barriers to care um, when they're trying to care for their rare patients. Um, so, so we want to find out what, what resources providers need. And then really our next step is to help make those resources to, to, to both gather some of the resources and perhaps develop some resources for, for patients and for providers. So that's really going to be our next step. Once we hear what those needs are, once we see where the gaps are, really figuring out how to make resources more available. Um, one of the really exciting things that I'm working on with one of the um, uh, clinicians on the council is, and it's, it sounds very basic, but but it's very missing in our community, is a list of providers oh, yeah. um, who are, who have expertise in treating some rare diseases or who are willing to, to take some of our um, um, patients. One of the big gaps that we're finding is when children who were diagnosed with a rare disease in, in the pediatric world are trying to transfer and transition care, it can be very difficult for those pediatricians and those pediatric specialists to um, be able to um, find a, a provider in the system. So we're working on some some resources to make that process just more smooth. I love it. I can't wait to see how everything unfolds. That That is so great. I think that list of providers too would be fantastic. I, I hear that from participants here that reach out to us at CORDS. If we know of anybody who is studying or even treating their rare condition. So I can't wait for you guys to come out with that resource. Wrapping things up here, I'd like to hear from all three of you, but Chrisanne, could, is there just anything else that you would like to cover or talk about or any closing thoughts that you want the audience to know about? One of my hopes for this council is that we may be able to optimize the opportunity that individuals have or that individual um, groups representing individuals with rare disease have um, to make the most difference they can in their space. So I think that I think that's a real opportunity for the advisory council is to meet each individual patient group or um, each individual advocacy group where they are mm-hmm. and then help them move as far as they can along their trajectory toward a cure, um, toward optimal care, um, toward breaking down those barriers to care. Um, we know that there's um, a treat a treatment option available for only a very small number of individuals with rare, affected by rare conditions. Um, and so we'd really like to move that. And we know that that's not um, something that the council can do in and of itself, but by um, optimizing the opportunities that each individual group has to make the most difference they can in their space, uh, I think together we can really all make a difference. Yeah, I agree with you. And I can I can hear the passion when you speak about that, Kristan. So I, I love that. Carl, do you have any closing thoughts that you'd like the audience to know about? 
Well, just beside, I just want to reiterate my um, excitement for the rare disease community coming together and partnering. And, you know, I really, um, I, I, I say this often, but I'm, I really don't want um, us to reinvent the wheel. I want us to work together toward a common goal. Mm -hmm. And I think uh, gatherings and, you know, Accords has done a really nice job of reaching out. And I applaud you guys for mm -hmm. your work in this space. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I agree. Connections and collaboration is really the key to advancing any everything in the rare disease community. Erica, do you have anything you want to share with us? Yeah, I think, you know, my my closing um, thought and the, the thing that I really want to say to the rare community, and, and I think I speak for the members of the council when I say that we really want the rare community to know that you are not an afterthought mm. in healthcare. And I, I feel like when I went through everything with my daughter, there was such a sense that, that I didn't feel like she necessarily, um, her disease was, was well understood or really prioritized, frankly. Um, and, and I just want the, the rare community to know that we as a council believe that, you know, that this council is made up of, of medical professionals, patient advocates, social workers, it's, it's quite a range of stakeholders, but we're all unified in the belief that a rare disease patient should not be left out of healthcare. Everyone deserves optimal healthcare and you are not an afterthought. Mm, that's great. Thank you guys again for joining us today. I hope this reaches those that need to know that you know, they are cared about, like you said, and I hope this motivates people too to continue with collaboration and just coming together for just helping advance research. Thanks so much for listening. The theme music for Chordscast is borrowed with permission from Scott Holmes's song, So Happy. To learn more about Sanford Research and our registry chords, visit us at sanfordresearch.org slash chords. We'd love to hear from you. Send us your questions, comments, stories, or feedback to chords at sanfordhealth.org. Find us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter at Sanford Chords. The content of Chordscast is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition. We'll see you next time on Chords Cast.